Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Hey, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. I'm so psyched to be here. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg, and we got this uh, this great conversation I recorded with Holly Bowling. Um, so psyched to share that with you all. Uh, if you're here for the first time for Holly, welcome to the Roadcase community. If you are a returning listener, I'm so glad to have you back, and thanks for your support. So as I mentioned on every episode, there's a number of different ways you can get involved with the Roadcase community. A great way to do that is to follow us on Instagram. We're at... Um, at Roadcase Pod. Uh, follow us on the socials, that is Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also uh, check in with our website, www.roadcasepod.com. Another great way to get involved is to email me with questions, comments, concerns, or just say, hey, if I've met you at a show, you know, uh, introduce yourself. Love to hear back from you. Um, my, in, my email is info at roadcasepod.com. Another great way to support Roadcase and to help this podcast is to rate and review Roadcase on your favorite listening platform. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, for example, just scroll down a little bit to where it says rate and review. Throw down a bunch of stars, uh, possibly write a, a glowing and amazingly positive review uh, if you are so inclined. And another great way to support Roadcase is to subscribe to Roadcase on the uh, listening platform that you are currently on. And if that's Spotify, for example, you just go up to the right-hand corner, see that little check mark, just check that, and that'll subscribe to you to Roadcase. So I'm really psyched to have Holly Bowling on this episode of Roadcase. Holly is a classically trained pianist uh, who began her introduction into the jam band community by transcribing a famous uh, fish tweezer from Tahoe uh, years ago and then performed that uh, beautiful composition live in San Francisco uh, began her journey down the road of uh, not only improvisation on the piano, but transcribing dead Grateful Dead tunes and tweezer tunes has done several albums to that to that effect. And they are just really gorgeous. And especially if you love the music of those two bands um, during COVID, Holly uh, played something called the Wilderness Sessions when during a road trip across the country um, with her husband, she performed in some incredibly unique natural settings uh, and recorded piano uh, improvs in these beautiful settings. And it's just spectacular. And when she ended up on the East Coast from the West Coast where she lives in the Bay Area, she met up with Tom Hamilton of J-Rad with whom she also works uh, in Ghost Light, uh, the band. Um, Tom Hamilton's from J-Rad and Holly and Tom got into the studio and created an improv album, um, kind of a one-off studio session, and it's really extraordinary. I can't wait for that to come out, and you should run out and listen to that immediately. It is entitled Lacuna. 
This this interview was recorded right after Holly had played at uh, Red Rocks for the very first time as a musician on stage as the keyboard player with Green Sky uh, for, I think, almost the entire second set and part of the first. And subsequent to this particular interview where I called out the fact that she should play with Green Sky more often, uh, she has subsequently announced that she will be on tour with Green Sky this fall and... Um, uh, going forward, potentially, that might be a thing that's going to continue to occur. So she hinted at it during the, now that I'm listening to it, she hinted at it during the interview. Um, but that's just something that I'm really excited about. Uh, there were some tech issues during this. There's a little, um, audio bleed of my vocals on top of Holly. There's a little bit of an echo in certain parts. So I apologize for that. Just kind of the nature of what we do and how I do this podcast remotely, which enables me to get a ton of guests around the country, but also sometimes comes with technical issues. So um, it's nothing really that huge, but I just wanted to point out that I know that's there and we tried our best to, to make it sound uh, really great as usual. So thanks again for joining me for this episode of Roadcase. I'm really glad that you're here and thank you for your support. And I want to especially thank Holly Bowling here for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Cool. Hi, Holly. How are you? So great to have you on Roadcase. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so psyched that you're here. You've done so many just absolutely amazing things. And as a matter of fact, I just saw you at um, uh, the Red... I was not at Red Rocks, but I watched the stream of the, of, of the Red Rocks show with Green Sky, which was simply spectacular. I kind of sort of secretly, not so secretly, think you should be part of that band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love playing with those guys every time we get to do it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they need a keys player, right? I mean, come on. Have you, had, have you not had that discussion with these guys? Yeah, you know, I keep trying to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, not really. Need isn't is not the right word. It's like they've got space for it, you know. I mean, and you sort of just slide right in there. What was that like? And was that actually your first time at Red Rocks? It was my first time playing Red Rocks. I, Sorry. Oh, I said it's definitely a, a rite of passage to you know be on the other side of the stage finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what was that like for you? Walk me through that that process a little bit. Uh, I mean, Green Sky and I have uh, played together a bunch, so that's that's always something I look forward to. Um, mm -hmm. that, you know, comfort level when you're not sitting with a band that you're unfamiliar with, but you're sitting in with a bunch of friends and you kind of know each other's musical worlds uh, pretty well and are comfortable with the tunes. It just makes the whole thing flow differently and um, I think gives everyone a little little more freedom. Um, yeah, for sure. Just always makes it better. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you know, playing at Red Rocks was incredible. Um, Anders gave me quite the introduction before I came out on stage, like, wait a minute. <laughs> and also blew my yeah. cover by announcing to the entire audience that it was my first time playing Red Rocks. So, you know. <laughs> what cover What cover was that? That you're like a, some Red Rock, that you have to be a Red Rocks vet to be up there? Uh, just, you know, announcing to everyone that uh, that it was my first time. I don't know. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, was, was so that was kind of embarrassing or? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just funny. It's just, you know. It's Anders. He's funny. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He'll take he'll take that one thing and like make it yeah. make it big, right? <laughs> but no, I mean, I mean, playing there is incredible. You know, looking up and and seeing the rocks on either side and and just um, you know, all the people laid out like more more vertically and less uh, straight out across. Mm. It's uh, just I don't know. It's 
it's an incredible, very, very special place. Yeah, it's a cool place to play. Did you feel like you were being heard in the way that you wanted to be heard um, in terms of your instrument? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I don't know. I wasn't out on the. I wasn't out in the audience. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as far as like you know, um, communication uh, between all of the musicians on stage and, and feeling like that interplay was there. Yeah, that's right. Right. That always feels pretty good with those guys. So. Well, and they certainly gave you an opportunity to shine with that duo you did with Paul and Windshield, which was like, which is his, this is like one of my favorite tunes that he sings and you guys just absolutely crushed it. Yeah. It was I, so cool. I love that he's always down to do the duo thing. It's, um, I, you know, I play a lot of solo stuff, so I love having that kind of space and, and vulnerability, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You like to hang it out there. I do. I do. <laughs> you like to be on the edge, like literally and figuratively. I mean, I, when I think of those, um, the pictures of the wilderness session with you on like a cliff's edge, literally, it's an interesting metaphor. Yeah, it makes you stay focused, you know? Well, we won't go too much down into to technical stuff, but I guess we're going down that road. There's a lot of stuff I want to cover during this, uh, uh, during this conversation. Um, but... Clearly, you know, you're a classically trained musician. It's so your your technical proficiency is so in, astounding and uh, and remarkable. I don't listen to a lot of classical piano, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know that you're playing songs that I love is uh, and that others love, and that um, you know it's it's of the jam band community. And you've embraced that type of improv improvisa improvisation. <laughs> as I try to improvise that word as I go along, <laughs> it's early in the morning here for me. Right? I, I, I feel you. <laughs> um, is uh, is just is just remarkable. But what um, I know you're you're a massive fish fan, like a three hundred plus show fish uh, fan, and. Um, you and you've done the the tweezer transcription now famous tweezer transcription of 2013 14 time frame i think it is what brought you to that uh that moment i mean, i know you studied at san francisco state university and um uh uh music and you had a musical family um had you been because that that was kind of a that's I see that sort of a super watershed moment in in your career as as I look and um, having been uh, doing the research over the last couple of weeks and um, had you been doing other improvisations at that point and kind of was that sort of obviously that was in your head and you had been doing that but what made that so incredibly special for you and that you decided to use that as kind of a stepping stone to uh, uh, in that particular direction. Um, you know, you, you kind of nailed it. It was a, a very much a moment for me where I think not only did, you know, my career kind of launch into it, you know, where it is now that, that was mm -hmm. my first turn off in that direction. Um, but also it's, it was kind of the moment when I think I found, uh, my musical worlds colliding and melding into really who, who I am. Yeah. Yeah. How do I explain this? I, I grew up playing classical piano and was very much immersed in that world for, you know, as long as I can remember. I started playing in kindergarten. So it's been. Yeah. Yeah. You know, wow. That's super early, right? Yeah. And, um, 
and I love that world. You know, it, it's it's also very intense. And I, I at several points in time, I kind of burned out and and you know walked away from playing for a little while. And then mm. the, the other side of my musical identity that's been there for uh, a very long time is. Um, you know, growing up with my my parents playing the Grateful Dead a lot when I was a little girl, and then um, as I got older, I you know I got into Fish and and started catching a bunch of shows and um, traveling around the country, seeing the band as much as possible, and mm-hmm. really getting into improvised music. Um, and you know, these two worlds are pretty different, even just in the sphere of like what a performance looks like, right? Like classical piano stuff is pretty pin drop silent and extreme yeah. perfectionist in, in some ways and detail oriented. And then, you know, you go to a band that's really focused on improvising and the ethos is more like, well, you got to take some risks to get the payoff and it's not always going to be perfect and it might not always be, you know, pretty getting there, but you're going to find that peak moment that's going to make the whole thing worth worthwhile. And that's more important than the technical, um, you know, perfection of nailing every single note perfectly. Mm. So in, in a million ways, these are like very opposite musical worlds to reside in, but I really love them both. And um, even when I was in college and, and doing a degree in piano performance, uh, I was, you know, sneaking out of school for a couple weeks at a time to go uh, on fish tour and catch as many shows as I could. So these have always been like concurrent things in my life. Yeah. Uh, after I saw fish in Tahoe, when they played the Tahoe tweezer, um, I just was really inspired by the improvisation that happened that night, you know, 37 minutes of extremely well-developed thematic material, but all done on the spot, you know? And so, yeah, um, I didn't come home from that and decide, well, here's the moment where I'm going to make a career for myself. And, uh, let's, let's take these two musical paths I've been on and, and put them together. It wasn't like that at right, all. It was, right, right, uh, you right, know, right, I just right. was obsessed with listening to this thing and had that rolling around in my head and was sitting down at the piano and, um, just picking out bits and pieces and, and playing them. And I eventually got the idea, like, what if I strung all these little bits that I've been working out together and, and like, and actually you know, picked this thing apart note by note and wrote it all out and then arranged it into something that's playable on the piano. And it was really just a pet project. I never intended on, you know, recording it or releasing it or performing it or anything like that. Um, Mm. But it just kind of snowballed. It snowballed into a performance and then an album of uh, fish songs arranged for solo piano and then touring and then... um, you know, I, I, the other interesting thing is like that moment when I did the Tahoe tweezer transcription and arrangement, that was like a very classical music approach to improvised music, right? Like mm-hmm. when I play that thing, I play it basically the same way every time. There's no section where I'm like, well, Fish was improvising here, so I'll just improvise. Like the whole point of it was to take the improv that they had created and just put it on the piano. Right. I had this idea that um, the same way that in the classical music world, you'll you'll have a composer who will take a symphony and they'll make a reduction of it for piano or for a a trio or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it it was that kind of idea. And Mm -hmm. then since then, I've really veered off in another direction. I don't really do much with the the jam transcriptions like the Tahoe tweezer at this point. Um, I've really gotten more into having that dichotomy between improvised music and really detailed, precise, 
you know, classical music world kind of stuff. So um, at this point, I have the arrangements of these songs. That's like the head of the song where the vocals would be or where there's, you know, the, the musical stuff that's the same every time. And I will spend hours and hours and hours arranging that, and put, you know, putting something in the right hand and moving it to the left and playing around with different ranges on the piano or different ways to get the sounds and like really working on the arrangement in a super detailed way. And I will, I will play it that way from, from there on out. And then as soon as that part's finished, it's complete blank page, open season, go do whatever you want improv that is very much my own and not trying to recreate um what fish or the dead would do in that space so i feel like you know the tahoe tweezer may have been the moment where these two musical worlds came together for me and this whole thing started and then since then i've become comfortable enough with um you know what i bring from these two different backgrounds to these catalogs of music to really do something different with it and and let it evolve from there is that what you do? I mean, because I've noticed in some of your um, recordings, I can't cite the exact album, but there was like, um, and I I forget the tune, but, you know, it was like from a, you know, whatever song from like a 74 recording um, of Dead. So is that the process that you did? did? Was that a transcription? Are there some Dead transcriptions that you've done? Yeah. So the jam transcriptions, that's the, the kind of the term I coined for um, these really, really incredible performances that Fish or the Dead did of a particular song where my goal was to capture that moment in time mm-hmm. and cast it in a different light by putting it on the piano for solar performance. Yeah. And so the the one you're talking about, that's a 61874 Freedom Hall, Eyes of the World from Louisville, Kentucky. And it's just Okay, yeah. I probably actually listened to that. <laughs> <laughs> so when I play that one, that's... I love seven, I love 74. Yeah, yeah it's a good year. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think you're alone in that opinion. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, yeah, it's the wall of sound. Um, but yeah, so all of those, my approach is, um, you know, spend a ton of time on listening to what they did and, and be very accurate in trying to recreate that in a, in a new way, right? But like yeah. very true to the original thing. So that's right. the Freedom Hall eyes. I did um, Fish's twist from Glens Falls, uh, the Tahoe Tweezer. I did the uh, version of the Wedge that Fish did in Chicago um, years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, a segment of improv that's colloquially known as the Beautiful Jam uh, from, from, I think it's sandwiched with like a dark star and something else. Yeah. Uh, but that that's kind of it for the jam transcriptions. Everything behind right. that is more, here's the song, here's me trying to capture in some way all of the vocal melodies and everything each instrument is saying at the beginning of the song. And then, yeah. and then it's a launch pad to go wherever it goes, right? Yeah, it's amazing. As a, as a fan of the dead, I love just hearing you lay down the basics and then and then just launch and then come back. It's, it's just, it's so satisfying and it's really beautiful. Technically. I, I just, I so super love it. Um, it, when you did that tweezer, was that really, was that, that could not have been the first time or was that the first time that you had gone? Oh, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to not, not, not saying I'm going to do the entire thing, but did you not play around with melodies of songs that you loved on, um, uh, on the piano before? Oh, oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always doing stuff like that. But I had yeah. sat down and actually written it out, right? And said, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with an arrangement of this. I'm gonna 
there's like an editing process there where you, you do it, you know, pass after pass after pass. And now I've captured what this thing is trying to say. Right. Um, so no, I had just messed around with stuff casually, but that was the first transcription and, and serious arrangement that I ever did, which is kind of a, did you sit down and say, I'm going to do this or did you kind of just start? And then you're like, Oh, Hey, I, what was kind of the initial thought? Was it to do the entire thing or was it just, you kind of just were playing around and then sort of kept playing around and then it just got bigger, like a house of cards kind of thing. I was playing around (laughs) um, with just little segments, right? There's like, there's like particular little melodic, pieces of that jam that gets stuck in your head you know that if you yeah it, you'd be like oh right that's from the tahoe tweezer so i was messing around with those on the piano but yeah once i got it in my head that like i should do the whole thing i got a, a notebook of manuscript paper and a really fine tip me- mechanical pencil and a, <laughs> a you know these headphones that i'm wearing right now and sat down at my yeah. kitchen table and was like here we go <laughs> and you listened to it and then you basically wrote it down yeah, so my process has changed since then because I've I've kind of gotten more efficient um, and I'm able to skip steps that the first time around I I couldn't skip. But at that time, I sat there and I divided up um, each page like there's I had a staff for each instrument minus the drums uh, and I okay. was writing out what each instrument was doing and mm. and just being like extremely meticulous and and accurate about it. So you have perfect, you have, you have perfect pit. You can hear a note and just know, Oh, that's, and you just write that note down. Yeah. Oh, so that's perfect. That's perfect pitch, right? I mean, you just hear it is. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. So I did that. Um, and then, you know, once I had all this stuff on the page, a, it's not playable that way. Right. And B, it wouldn't sound good even if it was playable Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's too much, too much information on one instrument. Yeah. So you, there's there's then a process that you have to figure out. How do I play this with two hands, and also how do I make this sound like what it's supposed to sound like there, right? Right. Like right. sometimes there's a there's a peril of too much accuracy, which uh, where if you played every note that was originally played, it would just sound like garbage, you know. So if you want to say what it was trying to say originally, you have to be a little more judicious about what you actually put in the arrangement. So uh, now I'm, I'm able to do a little bit more of that work in my head as I'm writing stuff down, uh-huh. um, which saves a lot of time. At the When I did the Tahoe Tweezer, this first time working on, it's basically the first real arrangement I ever worked on. Um, and so at that time, it was write everything down and then take the stack of paper over to the piano and try things out. And when something seemed like it worked, then edit what was on the page, you know? Wow. And now I can kind of, there's still a lot of like, take it to the piano and see what happens. Or sometimes just like, you know, with some stuff now, I just listen, go to the piano, start working it out. And when it feels like it clicks, then I break out the paper and start writing. Um, But Mm. initially it was, it was a very different process because I had just never done it before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, experience kind of makes perfect a little bit sometimes. (laughs) Um. And so let's fast forward to your current project, Lacuna, or should I call it a project? Or it's 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 so interesting um, that where you, yeah, where you you're working with Tom Hamilton, with whom you worked at uh, with Ghost Lights, um, and I found it so intriguing that um, you sat down in a room and just improved. 
and this is the product. These, however many tracks that look like nine or 10 tracks are the product of a one take long improv. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's so, and it's so amazing. And then you, you guys had to re go back and just create where you think there might be a track break just to not be off putting and have like a 60 minute track. <laughs> 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 or maybe it was like, no, I want to name these parts certain things. So it was kind of maybe that kind of, I, I don't know. There's so many questions here, but describe. Just get it into manageable chunks, you know, we yeah. just went through and listened for like, where are the natural changes in direction or. or yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely achieve that. I was like, there was like a little break in it and I was like, oh, and I looked down and it's the next track. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but, um, Let's skip forward a little bit, because that's almost like post-COVID period. Um, I, I think you did a road trip, and then on the way back, you stopped, and uh, and you and Tom put this together. Like, uh, Can you talk about that a little bit? About the recording of it? Yeah, the recording and just getting back together with Tom and what that looked like. Yeah, so um, Tom and I play in a band called Ghostlight, um, and we couldn't play as a band during COVID because we don't all live in the same city and everyone was kind of trying not to travel and, you know, yeah, yeah. take this thing seriously and, and keep everybody safe. But <laughs> I drove across the country in a camper van recording a series of outdoor audienceless solo piano shows called the wilderness sessions that we did right. in the desert and in a Canyon and uh, a bunch of stuff like that. So um, when I got out to the East coast, I, you know, I was like, all right, I haven't gotten to play music with another human being in months. <laughs> it's killing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm coming through Philadelphia. Let's get in the same room and play some music. Um, and so we did, Tom has a studio in Philadelphia and, um, we just went in there and, um, you know, it, we, we just had acoustic piano and acoustic guitar and then some effects pedals and some random things we picked up from around the studio to bang on our instruments with. Mm -hmm. and, that's it. and we just hit record and played and lacuna is what came out and we were not trying to make an album we were not plan we had no plans for this thing at all it was just like let's just play you know like we're we're both really missing this and um and then we just kind of like left it at that and i went home you know slowly driving back across the country <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um and then months later, um, I think my son had just been born. Maybe it was just before he was born. Anyways, Tom sent me a text and was like, hey, man, I was listening back to that thing we recorded. And um, and I think it holds up. You should take mm. a listen. And I listened to it and was like, yeah, I feel, I feel like we made something yeah. pretty cool. Maybe we should give it an audience, you know. So um, it's very much the opposite of... I think how any other album any of us have worked on has been right. Like usually there's take after take and a, a really intense process of listening back to what you've done, choosing what you want to be on the record, you know, relentless editing and, and honestly process of self-criticism and, and just like trying to put, you know, the very best thing on the album. Yeah, sounds like a whole bunch of bang in your head against the wall. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing process yeah. but it's it's just very different than what we did right like we went in and it was much more like the way it is when you play a live show right, right. there's no duo right. there's no like right. well let's just keep the best parts was this part good enough you know oh i would do this differently now that i hear it back like i'd like to make some changes it's none of that it's just 
you get one shot and what comes out in the moment is what it is. So that to me is, you know, it, it has that aspect to it, like a live performance would, except for it was, it was us yeah. you know, in a dark room <laughs> playing our acoustic instruments when we hadn't played with, with other people in a long time. So it, it, I don't know. It's just, it's very much born out of a, a specific point in time that, uh, you know, none of us had ever been there before and, and hopefully we'll never be back there again. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope so, but it has brought forth a ton of great music, you know. Um, but you you went into that just going, hey, Tom, we're just going to play for a little bit. We've done some duo sets kind of casually in the past. We, we did one at Peach Fest one year mm -hmm. where we just we were just like, what do you want to play? I don't know. Let's just let's just go up there and play. <laughs> Is that thrilling for you? Kind of nervous? How does that make you feel? No, I love it. Yeah. Well, you're so fucking proficient. I mean, it must be like amazing. I wish I had that level of proficiency. It's like Magic Johnson's shooting hoops, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> what I find fascinating also, and I had to write this down, is the title of Lacuna. The, the, um, the definition was uh, a gap, unfilled space, extended space where no notes are played. And I, I find that fascinating because Jerry Garcia said, you know, the notes that aren't played are also music. And I'm clear, clear, you're well aware of that, but I think it's really um, such an interesting concept. Can you talk to me about what that means to you? I mean, you know, there's the angle that you just took on it, which is the, the spaces in between the notes are as, as important as the notes themselves. Um, that's definitely true. I also, well, when I, when we came up with the title for the album and the, the title for the duo, uh, both are lacuna. Um, I had been reading a book and came across this word lacuna and I, you know, wasn't sure what it meant. And I looked it up and was like, wow, this word perfectly describes where we all are right now. You know, I was looking at it as uh, an unfilled gap or space where no notes are played. I was looking at that in the like larger sense of this time where none of us have been able to go out and play shows. Mm. And, you know, it's just this, this hole in our lives. Yeah. You know, and it also has the, the connotation that you mentioned. Um, and so it, it just, felt like it perfectly encapsulated the time when we recorded this thing and, and just what we had all been living through. And uh, yes. I, I, I sent the definition over to Tom and was like, what do you think about this? And he was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this works. How'd you come across it? You know, I, I was reading, I, can't, I wish I could remember what book I was reading. Uh, I read a lot of fiction during COVID just as an assignment. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what you, and it was just a word being you, you, that was just used in a, in a particular book. Do you remember? Yeah. I don't remember the context. I've, I've actually been like, <laughs> you know, paging back through trying to be like, where did this thing come from? It would be good to remember now, but <laughs> I'll try to do some more research and try to figure it out. Um, but it's, it's so fascinating. It's such a fascinating, um, aspect. Um, did you trans go back? Have you transcribed it? No, no. Can you play it again? I mean, I'm sure if we wanted to, we, we could spend the time to make that happen, but I don't think either of us have any interest in doing that. Uh -huh. The whole point of this thing is that it's all improvised and that it, it's just coming out of the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when we go out and play shows, um, we have some, some lacuna shows coming up, um, this fall or winter and, uh, we're not 
we're not going in and like playing the latest album. Right. Yeah. It's the epitome of uh, improv is creation on the fly. Live music can be creation on the fly. And that I, I love this concept. I love what you guys did. And I love the ideas behind it. You know? um, so when you get together live, you, you two will just, uh, just do a separate type of improv. We're just going to play. That's the, uh, you know, the, the same approach that we took when we recorded this thing. That's what we want to do again. You know, nothing, nothing talked about in advance, no preconceived ideas, no, like this is on the table, this is off the table. The point is, right. just, you know, to find something new every night and, and dig into it. Yeah. Tom's a great guy. He seems, um, after a J rad show here in Chicago, he was just hanging. He just came down to the foot of the stage and just chatted with me for a little bit. I thought that was just super, like that just doesn't happen a lot, you know? And I was like, Oh, this is cool. He was a really nice guy. <laughs> he's a, he's a really, really good human being. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been really grateful that our paths collided when they did, um, years ago, just because I feel, uh, really strong musical chemistry with him. And we've, we've been able to improvise and have a musical conversation with each other pretty freely from, from the first time we, you know, exchanged a couple of notes on stage and musical conversation. Cause that starts, it starts out talking about how you guys don't, you know, well, maybe this was just kind of like uh, literary hyperbole, but it's like, you guys don't talk. You just get into a room and start playing. Oh, uh, <laughs> we, we talk. <laughs> don't get me wrong. We're both talkers. But uh, when it came to like, you know, making lacuna, we didn't talk about like, let's, let's do it this way. Or like, here's the things that we're going to try to accomplish. We just sat, well, I sat down at my instrument, at my piano. He stood there with his guitar and just went for it, you know? But um, right. I feel like often, you know, you can, you can, obviously we've built more of a um, musical communication over the years that we've played together, but it was, it was instant the first time we played together. And I think that that's something that can take a long time to develop um, with other players and, you know, been doing that since. So. <laughs> right. right. Is there still going to be ghost light when you guys were able to get together? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's okay. Gone anywhere. It's um, the only reason ghost light is not, touring like crazy right now is just the, the, the you know the landscape out there is yeah for sure i just thought it just occurred i just wanted to ask that question to make sure it's still still happening i love that stuff a lot this is in no way a replacement for that we just you know it feels it feels reasonable to go play uh you know these limited capacity um seated shows right yeah. now that lacuna's doing i think yeah yeah for sure waiting a little bit longer before we head out on the road so yeah well, I can hear the baby in the background, and <laughs> which is great. I totally don't mind. I told you, I I'm, I have three kids. My oldest is twenty. I got twenty four, nineteen, and sixteen. It's been a journey that you're just starting. And um, as a live performer, um, I kind of I was thinking earlier. I'm like, well. Um, you know, I've been looking for positive. I've spoke to so many people who, and COVID's affected so many different performers and artists and others in the industry in so many different ways, some of which were positive. And um, frankly, as a, as a parent, and if I were a touring musician, I would have welcomed the opportunity to be at home. I mean, I would think that um, you probably did you have plans to be at home and i can't think of like a better time to be home than that and have sort of a forced hiatus off of the road um what were your thoughts on 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 that and how did you um how do you envision it changing your life having um having a baby on the road i've seen also pictures of you taking him already out a little bit and um kind of tell me your thoughts about motherhood and what that sort of means to you uh 
to have that during COVID and kind of going forward and what that's going to look like for you? Yeah, well, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, for for me, the silver lining of COVID, not that I, not that I would in any way want, you know, any of this to to happen again if I were given the choice, and, and not to justify it, but um, no, no, the silver no, lining no. of it for me was um, having so much unplanned time off the road. You know, like a couple months in, I was kind of like. I think this is my chance if I, if I want to have a kid, mm. you know, which it's, it's just a tough thing when you're touring a lot, especially as a woman, you know, if, if you're a guy and you want to have a kid with your partner, they stay off the road and do what they need to do to stay healthy. And, you know, as a woman, that's like a slightly different thing, figuring out like, yeah. would I be pregnant on tour? It's a lot to ask of your, your body. So, um, I kind of took the opportunity with all that, time off the road when it became clear that none of us were going to be playing shows for a good long time and, uh, and just went for it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it was like a plan, like, Oh, we're not going back on the road. Let's have a kid. Yeah. I mean, I've been wanting to have a kid eventually, but it's, it, I just been looking for like, how do I, how do I do that without sabotaging, you know, my band and my solo stuff and yeah. Well, here you go. Silver platter. Yeah, that was, a, we're never going to have another opportunity like this again to have this much yeah. time off the road and, and away from, away from work for me, you know? You can say COVID was, the whole period was a good period for you. I mean, it was a good period for me pretty much. I, I, I like being. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know that I would say it was a good period. I mean, I, I. Well, those are my words. I would say there was, it was the best of times and the worst of times. No, but it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's a gift to have that I had that time um, to yeah. bring my son into the world and then to hang out with him for the first months of his life and not have to jump back on the road right away. So we've been taking him out um, not less now that, you know, things started looking a little less safe out there, but um, Ghost Light played Peach Festival this summer. And that was kind of in the period where everything looked like, you know, COVID was Mostly right, over. that pre-period when everyone got really excited to get back on the road, and they were like, "Oh, oh, no masks, no masks," you know, like golden times, you know. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, we we brought my kid out to that, and that was super fun. So that was his first ghost light show, and um, we're hoping to bring him out on the road again. I, we, you know, we really want to be the family that just kind of keeps going and takes our kid out with us. So, how does your husband, partner, um, you know? dad, human, uh, feel about, um, how, how are you guys partnering up and what's kind of the teamwork with you guys, um, in terms of parenting when you're, if you, when, or if you're on the road? Uh, well, you know, it's kind of a work in progress because I haven't been out on the road a whole lot so far. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, his, he's, we're, we're fortunate that his job is pretty flexible. So, um, so, you know, hopefully we'll be able to, split some childcare duties, you know, he's, he's going to come out with me sometimes and, and we'll bring the kid and, and try to, you know, split it between us. And I'm sure other times I'll have to just go, uh, go without him and that'll be rough, but it's, you know, everyone's been through that. <laughs> or bring him or, or, or bring him with. How do you feel about that? You you said you tried it at Peach Fest, which was a while back. Oh yeah, it was great. Like right now, the it only gets a little it gets a little harder. 
Yeah, well, and, and you know, having them indoors with COVID as it gets to be winter is, is still not like real high on our list. But um, yeah, you know, hopefully that's that'll change. And God, hopefully, yeah, this winter won't be the same as last winter. Let's keep our fingers crossed on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but I've spoken to, um, you know, several artists, uh, mostly male art. You might be the first female artist that I've spoken to that has a newborn. Well, not newborn, but you know, a child under one year old, he's seven months old. So, um, you know, Dom Flemons has a kid. He brings him around on the road. Paul, obviously, you know, he flies back and forth, but tries to bring her out occasionally told me, um, Paul Hoffman, that is, uh, I just, Paul, I, I know you know him. So <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, you know, who I'm talking about. Um, uh, and, um, it's uh it's it's it it poses obviously uh more challenges um if you're a woman wanting to bring your kid along i i think right or how do you kind of view it yeah i mean you know for me going into this whole thing it's it's something that i kind of noticed right from the get go right i have all these all these people that i know musicians that i know that if that have little kids and and have done this but they're all guys Right. And it's yeah, different. Right. It's especially like the first year. It's just, it's really different. I know that it's hard to be away from your kid, no matter whether you're the, the mom or the dad, you know, but, uh, it's a, it's a whole different set of things to figure out. And I haven't really had anyone, you know, to look up to or to hit up to be like, Hey man, how did you make this work? Well, because it's yeah. hey man, <laughs> not like right, right, yeah, a friend like who has a kid and is a musician on the road. So, I feel like I've been kind of having to just figure out what works for us, and uh, I don't know that we have it figured out yet, but we're trying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of it's sort of just like having the kid. You don't, you don't, even if you weren't in your situation to the touring artist, uh, you know, you have a child and things just kind of move forward and it just is an organic process. I think I kind of see that happening and you're, I'm sure you'll figure it out somehow. Um, I, I kind of sense that it's different for women because it's just having a child that came out of you <laughs> is just different. <laughs> and it's a different, it's a different motherly instinct feeling without getting too much into gender. I mean, I'm a dad and I'm a, I, I love parenting my kids, but it is different when it's, when you're the mom. Yeah. And just the first year, you know, we're like physically tied together still. So that's uh that's the whole thing to figure out. But uh, I mean, I think, I think whether you're going into this thing as a, as a mom or a dad, like either yeah. way, as a parent, it's just so important to me that I, I like, I don't, I don't want to just, I want to share this thing with my kid. You know, this is such a big yeah. part of my life. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a huge part of my partner's life too. Right. You know, we, we met through live music. We met at a fish show. We've, we've spent endless amounts of our lives together seeing shows. And, and that's really like at the core of who both of us are. And so it's something that's really important to us. That is a part of our kid's life too. And I don't think either of us are looking to like, let's just leave him at home and, and go out on the road. Like if the ideal is I like, I want him to be a part of that. You know, you mentioned yeah. that you mentioned Paul Hoffman and uh, we were talking about, you know, me sitting in with them at Red Rocks yeah. at the beginning of this thing and mm -hmm. Paul's kid and uh, Duvall's kid, Jude and Judiper were, um, you know, dancing side stage. Yeah. Rocks. And, uh, and you know, that, that was a, beautiful moment and, and something I'm pretty jealous of, you know, we had really gone back and forth on whether or not to bring our kid, uh, out to Colorado and we opted not to just cause we we're a little 
little nervous with him being as little as he is. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's littler than Duvall or Hoffman's kid. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Paul lives in Denver, so didn't have to get on a plane. And um, right. Duvall's kid is old enough to wear a mask. My kid's seven months. So I don't know. Maybe we're being over paranoid, but I, at any rate, no, we I don't think him. it sounds reasonable. Really safe and not bring him in. Um, and that was like a, you know, kind of something that was like a, a bittersweet moment seeing them and being like, man, I wish my kid could be part of that right now, you know? So I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to uh, finding those moments with him whenever they come and, uh, and getting to share this thing with him. They'll definitely be happening. I mean, and they're older, like in a year, it's going to be, you'll be, it'll be cool. He'll be walking and like, well, probably walking a little bit now, but like he'll be like actually being, you know, uh, independently mobile and being able to enjoy it more and just being conscious about it too is like an important factor as well. You know, I mean, just from a parent, they're like when they're little, it's like parents think like, oh, you need to do this with the kid. They don't, it's like, you know, <laughs> they're little. Yeah. Yeah. He's out of the like cuddly potato phase though. And he's, he's super into music now and definitely reacts to it. So we've, we've been taking him to as many like outdoor local things as we can. So he can experience the whole live music thing from the beginning. But, uh, yeah, those moments will come. I just, I'm, I'm excited to find ways to, you know, bring him on board and, you know, bring him to the circus. <laughs> right. That'll be cool. That'll be cool. And I saw, I think, where did I see a picture recently uh, of him at the piano and you were like super stoked about it? Probably. Yeah. Probably in my living room. We, we sit at the <laughs> piano every day. <laughs> yeah. Is he, does he get it at this early age? Uh, I mean, <laughs> is he playing Mozart concertos already at seven months? That's what I want to know. You know, I, I play him songs and sing him songs and he, uh, he, you know, bangs on the keys in between and <laughs> that's about the extent of it. You just want to like put those experiences out there from the very beginning. So, yeah, I know I keep bringing up Paul, but he's, I just, I talked to him just recently and, and, uh, he was like, against my better judgment, I let her, uh, his, his daughter, um, grab my like really good Mando and just start playing it. <laughs> <laughs> with a pick yeah my, my kid definitely you know he bangs on my piano he drools on it even though i try not to let him he tries to eat the keys and i'm like there is no other human being that would be allowed to abuse my piano this way right, under no right. circumstances but kid gets a pass <laughs> kid you know your own kids get a pass on a lot of different things <laughs> this is only the beginning just try not to be in super indul overindulgent on all the other more important things like you know, like checking in with you and calling you back on the cell phone, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm not speaking from personal experience, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, uh, I wanted to talk about a couple things that you did during COVID and um, the wilderness sessions and playing on the, the salt flats. You've done some live performance um, not in front of audiences that have just been extraordinary. Can you, um, can you talk to me about what your thoughts were and are you an outdoors person? Yeah, Obviously. very much an outdoors person. <laughs> the whole thing kind of yeah. started because, you know, we were, I think like most people or like a lot of people were feeling very claustrophobic and, and cooped up, especially living in the city. I live in San Francisco, so. Um, yeah. You live in the city? Yeah. So there's, you know, any place that there is to escape was also very crowded by other people. So, um, you know, I, I did a bunch of streaming concerts from my living room at the beginning of COVID. And I, then I got to a point where I was just feeling like, I don't want to keep doing this, staring at the same four walls. I, I just, I just started losing 
losing steam on it. And uh, Mm -hmm. my husband and I went uh, up to the mountains in the Sierra for a weekend. And we kind of hatched the idea while we were hiking out in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's like, this feels really good. This is what we needed. This kind of yeah. And, uh, and we were like, well, what if we just dragged a keyboard out to someplace like this and filmed it? And, and what if we threw the rig in a van and did it a bunch of times and a bunch of places? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. The whole, the whole idea was like, I was kind of getting stuck in this thing of, uh, looking at all the things we couldn't do and, and really being bummed about that, you know? And then I was like, well, what if we just kind of turned that on its head? You know, if, if we can't play to people and I'm feeling bummed about that sitting alone in my living room, mm-hmm. at an empty space, you know, what if we run with that idea instead and go play where there are no people around for miles and miles and miles and like <sighs> leave right. that thing instead of fighting a battle that we can't win, you know? And so right. that's what we did. Um, we, uh, we packed up the recording rig and my keyboard and our dog. <laughs> I know. I saw the dog. There was a dog feet was featured probably in a lot of pictures, but I love that one in the salt flat. Where, where the, was that in Utah? Yeah. That's where there's only salt flats, right? I didn't, it didn't say like the Bonneville salt flats or whatever the fuck it's called. You, you got it right. Yeah. Um, I think there's some on the other side of the world, but we obviously didn't drive the van uh, across. The- uh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the only reason I asked that is because it was seemed like mostly was kind of in the Sierras and it looked like, I don't know. No, we, so we start, I live in California, right? So we started out, yeah. um, we did Tahoe and Yosemite. Um, mm-hmm. We almost did one at Mono Lake and then the, the weather wasn't wasn't on our side so did you just have a generator in your car that you just brought to just drive everything no so we had this this camper van and it has a crazy battery system in it and so Uh, yeah we we ran all the gear off of the batteries in the van so um and it was really quiet i think some people had this idea that we were like blasting music out into the wilderness and it wasn't that at all (laughs) you just had the headphones on so you were just listening to it in your head yeah exactly i think um a, I didn't want to be amplifying music out there because a lot of those places, you know, were completely empty. But then some of them weren't, right? There were people somewhere out there who were also yeah. looking for the same solitude and quiet that we were looking for. Right. Yeah, so uh, it was just the keyboard. And then I had this um, this scither that I uh, put on top of my keyboard. A what? It's a zither. It's like a, it's like a small stringed instrument. Um, and I, I don't play it properly or well, I don't even know how to play it. Right. But I, you know, when I play solo on an actual piano, I do a lot of stuff inside the piano, plucking the strings and um, Mm -hmm. using like ebos on the strings and, uh, percussive things banging on the frame of the piano and stuff like that. And that's a big part of my sound and a big part of the, the palette that I use to paint the picture I want to paint. And so when I'm on a keyboard, I often feel really limited that all I can do is basically play the instrument the way it's supposed to be played. So um, I, I was trying to figure out like, if we're going to do these wilderness sessions, obviously I'm not dragging a grand piano out there to the salt flats as much as I would love to. Uh, that was not our production budget. <laughs> so I put this there on top of the keyboard. So I just had um, like a, a very small little mini version of the inside of the piano, basically with like oh, so that I could pluck and, um, and hit the zither to get the percussive sounds that I wanted and, and run right. through effects. Um, so 
I was able to have like a mobile new version of the. So, but those were sounds that would go out into the ether. Yeah. I mean, a zither is like, and it's not amplified, right? That's, that was also just running into the recording setup. So you could hear yeah. it if you're like 10 feet away, but it's like, right, 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 you know, right. Plucking a guitar string or something with no amp. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. So how'd you, ch- and so well, you were saying like, uh, you started off in Yosemite, you went to, uh, some, uh, mono, no, you didn't do mono lake. You did something else. Yeah. Uh, Tahoe, Yosemite. And then you started to say Montana and where else? Uh, we did Idaho, this spot called Bruno Canyon. Mm-hmm. totally off the map off the beaten path it's just, just like this insane canyon um in the middle of nowhere it's just like blm land for miles and miles and miles and we, mm. didn't, see a, we didn't see a soul the whole time we were out there what, what kind of land is that oh bureau of land management yeah oh, okay not black lives matter i was like what <laughs> we did a lot of stuff in like uh national forest and and blm land because uh, you can camp out there so we would we would set up camp overnight and then wake up in the morning and and set up the gear and and record which i really liked because i felt like any time you know i had the opportunity to settle into the place i was playing you know sit out under the stars the night before and like walk around and and really like absorb the place then that works its way into the music the next day more than if you like roll up throw the gear out and go you know does it does it really? How does that work for you? I mean, it's just like, you know, when you play a show to an audience, I feel like there's this exchange of energy and, and obviously like what the crowd is giving to you is, is part of what you put into the music, whether it's the, the you know, the venue and the crowd and all of it. And when that was missing during COVID, like part of the point of the wilderness sessions was let's grab inspiration from somewhere else. So instead of playing off the crowd, I was playing off these places, right? Yeah. So there's like an openness and a spaciousness and a patience that I think is really uh, different from when you're playing in a club and there's this like intense energy that's just like building and very calm. Yeah, you had none of that. You had no woots going on. <laughs> How'd you survive? <laughs> no, it was cool, man. It was like, it was like silence and space and, you know, like the things that I heard instead of, in, instead of like crowd noise, like the wind whipping across this giant expanse of land and then like touching the strings of the zither and like setting off a cascade of notes that I didn't even play and like hearing that oh, stuff in wow. your ears, you know, it, it just That's changes fucking how cool. you approach all, all this stuff. And especially when you're improvising, it changes what's going to come out of your fingers halfway through the set. Right. Wow. That's true artistry. So it, like the wind would hit this instrument and would you kind of riff off of that sound that, it, that the wind would produce yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's cool having some like chance music kind of things happen. Yeah, it's like playing against wind chimes, kind of. <laughs> um, and you know, because it's solo too, there's no like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to what someone on the other half of the stage just did, you know? Right. Oh, guitarist just played that. That's interesting. Let me respond by playing this, or so, or let me like right. play something that works well with that to support it. Instead, it was like, well, the wind is doing this that's pretty sweet. What can I do that fits with that? And then like, let the set carry from there. Oh, so interesting. Wow. And so then Idaho, was that the farthest East you got? No, we went all the way to Maine, California to Maine. Oh, holy shit. Wow. And then on the way back, we, we went dipped down into the Southwest. So we did uh, Moab and Taos and yeah. 
It was a, it's a crazy adventure. <laughs> yeah, it's not just the wilderness sessions, like across the country wilderness sessions. That's amazing. Yeah, and we were really going for as many different types of settings as possible. So there's there's deserts and there's mountains and there's set by the ocean and yeah. Wow. I people were like uh, going back to the silent thing. People were like, oh man, I wish I knew where these were in advance so I could show up and you know, touch the show audience of one. I'm like, you know, it'd be pretty boring because everything's running direct. Right. So there's, right. Right. And so you'd just be, you know, watching, it'd be like watching a silent movie. It's just me like mashing on the keys. Your fans would just show up to watch your fingers move, Holly. That's, uh, I guess I take that as a compliment, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. It's such an incredible, um, to, that that you're out there playing these songs. It's almost like you did, you went on a U.S. tour during the, uh, during COVID. Totally. And no one came. (laughs) (laughs) I'm grateful you recorded it all. How's your husband as a recording engineer? Um, So he was really film crew. Um, Ah, okay. Recording setup was pretty simple because it was just the zither um, Mm -hmm. and and my effects and my keyboard. So I I ran all of that uh, into just a, a simple interface and a laptop that we kept inside the van. Right. Keep it out of the sun and all the all the many elements. And um, my husband had a bunch of GoPros that he would set up and a drone to really capture the like the expanse of the places that we were playing. And um, and that was it. So it was a crew of two. And then he did all the video editing, which was a huge project. So you know, as we're working our way across the country in the van, we'd stop for a while and, and he'd you know start piecing the video together and. Yeah, 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 video, video editing, editing is, 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 it, is, it, is, is an incredible <laughs> project. project. Wow. wow. Yeah, so we didn't have, you know, people will do this stuff on the fly, but they have a film crew of, you know, four or five people that are splicing between the camera angles, and it was just us, so. <laughs> right, wow, wow. Um, and, and then you did, was that also, was it at the same time you were doing this Alone Together series? That was, was that the Living Room series that you were talking about? Yeah, so that happened first, and then when we kind of, well, I... I kind of lost steam with a being in the house and B, you know, being in my living room and, and staring at the same four walls every time I played. And, and yeah. so just, you know, I was going crazy. I was like, we got to get out of the city or I mean, mm-hmm. so the wilderness sessions was, uh, yeah, I think the thing that saved my sanity during COVID. <laughs> was that before was going on this tour? Was that before you, um, you had your son or he, com- he was born in March of 2021. Okay. So the wilderness sessions, um, I was pregnant. Ah, uh, okay. All right. So that's another interesting angle as well. <laughs> so I guess I should say my, my husband was film crew and driver, and he also um, he did a lot of gear loading and unloading and carrying because as the trip went on, I got more and more pregnant. And I was like, yeah, I'm not picking that up. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Nor did he want you to, right? Um, uh, and uh, how long was the whole tour then? Uh, we were gone about two months. Oh, wow. That's, tr- that's really amazing. Did you do a documentary of the entire trip? I did. Like I, I filmed stuff all along the way, just in bits and pieces. And then when it was all over and we had, we had, um, you know, put all of the wilderness sessions out there, I released a behind the scenes that kind of showed how we did it and had some footage from the road and gave a tour of like the the van because we were you know living in it and that was also the recording rig and it was it was everything so right that's, that's out there on the interwebs 
There you go. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to find that. And I'm sure everyone has already, but, um, uh, in your relationship with the dead is, is, uh, is, is quite dedicated. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I, I really love what you've done and you came back in 2020 and did seeking all the songs. That's that, what is it called? Uh, seeking all that's still unsung, which is the play on the, the ripple lyrics from your first dead cover album, sort of what, um, you just weren't, you hadn't finished with what was sort of the thinking of doing uh, another one? Uh, so the first album was Better Left Unsung, and then okay. uh, Seeking All That's Still Unsung was the second one, which yeah. is a line from Addicts. So Better Left Unsung is from Ripple, Song is and from Ripple. Seeking All That's okay. Still Unsung is from Addicts. And I was like, oh, that's a nice like pairing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, I I started off doing all these arrangements with Fish's music, and then uh, the first one I did with the dead was that eyes of the world transcription that we talked about earlier. And, mm-hmm. um, I just fell in love with how their music translated to the piano. So I did that one transcription and I was like, Oh, that's it. I like, I gotta, I'm going to do an album. Like there's just, there's too much stuff to dig into and it, it just fits too well. And I, I was really excited about it. Um, and after I did that album, better left unsung and then, you know, toured for a few years, getting more comfortable with, kind of settling into how their catalog feels on piano and, and, and figuring out what I wanted to do with it. I always had uh, intentions of, of coming back and taking another pass mm-hmm. at some of the dead's catalog. Um, and I'm really glad I did. I feel like my approach was a lot freer by the time that album came around um, just hmm. as a result of a few years playing their their stuff on the road in the solo setting and you know also i had the opportunity to uh to play with phil and play with bob and and just you know the more time i spent with this stuff the more i felt comfortable being like well i don't i don't even have to do it so much by the book right like if anything the best way to play their music is to let it be a little freer and so i think that second album uh i was able to put a little more of myself into it. And uh, I also really wanted to do something different with that album rather than just here is round two of Holly playing Grateful Dead on the piano, you know? (laughs) So I, uh, I ended up doing a bunch of overdubs uh, essentially so that I had four hands on the piano we don't need to go like super deep on it, but um, I mean, it's significant that of any of the artists that I really know, you've sort of, you've, you've added to what the, the to grateful dead music just worldwide and in the, in the music industry and in the jam industry. What is that? Um, would I be off by saying that? What am I off base by saying that, that you, it's just, it's, it's an important part of, uh, not only the jam gang community, but music at large that you've, you've devoted so much time and effort to creating kind of new expression on with this music. That's so that's affected so many different people. What is that? Um, what does that mean to you? And how does that feel? I mean, that's, uh, I would, I would like to think that I've done something new uh, with their music that, that means something to people. That's the goal. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you've accomplished that, but um it's it's a significant achievement. Thanks. Uh <laughs> I don't know. I I've I've had I've gotten some feedback from people that have come to shows that um 
you know, I, I guess not to sound cheesy, but the best compliment people have ever given me afterwards is like, I came to your show and I cried. You know, mm. Like the way you played this music took me back to a memory of something or just like whatever, just brought something up for them. And, um, you know, to me, the whole point of playing music in a room for people is some kind of connection to make someone feel something. Yeah. You know, whether it's going to be like joy or, or, <laughs> or like connection with a bunch of people the same way as you get it like a, you know, World Series game when everyone's like on the same moment, whatever it is. But like for someone to say that they, you know, cried in public is like kind of the ultimate cool. I did it. Like it worked, you know, <laughs> we connected. Mm-hmm. I made you feel something. I don't, I, I don't, I don't mean that in like a malicious, like I want to, I want to make people cry, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Well, it's the power of those, of, of, of those tunes and of that music. But um, yeah, I mean, I like, I feel very emotional when I'm playing that stuff and, and oh, cool. it's, it's really powerful stuff to be, to be messing with, you know? So if, if I can evoke that response in someone, then I feel like I did my job, you know? Yeah. And it's um, the riffs and the melody and the songs are so iconic and to hear them um, in piano, which of course there was, you know, several piano players in the dead, but it wasn't the primary focus um, to hear a lot of those tunes where it's so clear and crisp and beautiful the way you play, but also having that basic melody um, and those, the, that evoke so much emotion um, with their catalog at large is, is, is a powerful thing. And I, that's what kind of struck me about it. Um, And one song that continues to play in my head is lost sailor. I don't know what it is about that. And obviously, you know, I think that you opened on a couple of different, I don't know if it was this recording in particular, seeking all is still unsung, but it's, it's, it is that a particularly significant song for you? Um, I don't, no, yeah. I wouldn't say so. I mean, every <laughs> song I play of theirs is like significant to me in some way, but no. I yeah. Just, uh, it's a good tune though. I love playing that tune. I, the more I dig into the catalog too, I, I really, I've gained a new appreciation for a lot of the Bobby stuff. It's just, you know, really funky, interesting changes and, and just, yeah, really good stuff compositionally. Well, also I'm guaranteed that it's going to be a great version when you do it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> There's no question that it's going to be solid and cohesive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really like the pairing too of uh, Sailor and Sand, leaving a, a lot of space in between. Like, I'll I often don't pair them right next to each other, but uh, you know, it's like the the question and the answer almost. You know, with a lot. Of yeah, them. yeah. I just I love having them as touch points in a set. Yeah, I love Saint. It's that's one of my favorite songs and um, I wish I had seen it. I think that's one that I just didn't, that I never saw. Um, well, uh, so you don't have a lot of tour dates uh, going forward. Is that something that's intentional so that you can spend time at home? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I think there's uh there's some things in the works uh, mm-hmm. next year. So uh, I, I'm going to be, I think pretty busy. <laughs> Right. Uh, right now, you know, I, I think, uh, the, the empty calendar is more, more a result of COVID and, you know, also, you know, this fall, I think a lot of bands wanted to go out and play and it, it meant there was a lot of competition. Yeah. It's and crazy it's out there. To put together. And then I think a lot of people that did get a tour put together went out and then ended up having to pull the plug. So 
Um, I'm just kind of uh, playing as, as much as I can where it feels solid and uh, a little bit of wait and see to get back out on the road. Uh, right. More heavily, you know, so other than like uh, super parenting all the time, what are you, are you, you're, you obviously like to be outside. Do you ski? Do you like to hike? What's the cycle? Uh, you live in downtown San Francisco, but clearly you guys get out and do other, other fun stuff. Like what's your top uh, other hobby besides, uh, uh, besides sitting down and playing at the piano for hours and hours a day? <laughs> uh, well, I don't live in downtown, thankfully, but I am, I am in the city of San Francisco. Oh, okay. Great, grateful to not be downtown. Uh, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I like hiking. I, I snowboard, although I haven't done it, uh, lately. And I don't know. I love scuba diving. Haven't done that lately either. Uh, but you know, I love spending time outside for sure. Anything that gets me out there. I'm a, I'm a pretty big reader also. Uh huh. Definitely a book nerd. Um, but God, if I was a musician, I'd be nervous to get up on a, on a snow. I ski, so but snowboarding, it seems like you're always on like on your hands and using your hands so much, and it'd be isn't that a worry for you? Uh, yeah, it's, that's kind of why I, I dipped out of doing that so much. I was really worried about breaking a wrist and then you know not just letting letting myself down, but potentially you know letting letting the rest of the band down if you show up with a broken bone and can't play your instrument. Yeah, you're like, whoops! I was having fun over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened and everyone else is going to suffer. Yeah. I still love getting up to the mountains whenever possible. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Well, uh, thanks so much for spending the time with me, Holly. This has been, uh, this has been really interesting. I love what you do. And, um, and it's just so, uh, just the, inc- the, the total body of everything that you've done is just astounding. And it's just, um, so incredibly impressive. And I, and I love it. I love it. I just, um, it's, it's amazing. And it's just this, um, this utter sense of playing live, um, you know, improv is basically li- you know, live playing and just being out there and just hanging it out there. And I just, I'd love what you do. Thanks so much for, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me on Josh. Yeah. Right on. Thanks. I'll see you soon. Okay, that was Holly Bowling on Roadcase. I was just so happy to have Holly here. She's such a uniquely talented musician. Um, really enjoyed talking to her about her improvisation work, what she's done during COVID. Um, like I was saying right at the end of that interview, how improvisation is this really beautiful embodiment of live playing where you're just on the fly without a net and playing. And uh, what she's done with this uh, new project, Lacuna, with Tom Hamilton, where they just went into a studio and just played and then created tracks on what they did is just amazing. And they'll be performing as Lacuna uh, in January as well. Um, like I said, Holly's now um, kind of part of Green Sky for Green Sky Bluegrass, that is for this fall tour. She's got several dates in November uh, with Green Sky on tour as the keyboard player and piano player. It's just extraordinary. I loved her performance at uh, Red Rocks with uh, Green Sky Bluegrass. It was just extraordinary. Can't wait. Uh, hoping I can catch one of the, the shows that Holly's playing in. 
Um, and she's also getting back together with Ghostlight, which is her project uh, band with um, with Tom Hamilton of J Rat, and they have some January dates as well. So check those out. And if you don't, if you have a chance, uh, really, it's a wor- amazingly worthy of a listen to Holly's work with the Dead and Fish Improvisations, which you can find on any streaming service. So thanks again for being here for this episode of Roadcase. Really psyched that you're here. As I wind down season two, which ends on December 24th with my 100th episode, I'm really psyched that I'm going to have some great guests uh, to close out this season over the next couple of uh, months uh, into the end of December. And then we've got some great, great guests for season three coming up in late January. So thanks again for being here. Thanks for your support of Roadcase. And I want to send a special thank you to Holly Bowling here for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadcasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. Yeah.